Welcome to Victory Church. This is our worship service number 159, October 13, 2019. And I will invite you to please stand up and let's sing some songs to the good Lord that Tracy has prepared for us. And uh, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy. We thank you for life. We love you. We adore you. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen.
trying to wake everybody up this morning.
As we hear those beautiful songs about uh, make us one and people need the Lord. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking of all the beautiful people that I know that I have met here in Odessa. People that, that came to church, here to Victory Church at some point. Some of them, they are not with us anymore. And, and I was just thinking, how beautiful will be the day in heaven when all these problems, difficulties, and things that we have in life, in heaven, all that will be irrelevant, you know? But how we came to the presence of God once because of our, our needs. We were in need, 
and somebody shared hope in Jesus Christ. And that's why we are here today. So Lord, we pray for all the friends, members and ex-members of this church, that you will bless each and every one of them, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those who maybe are still disappointed or angry or frustrated with us and in general with church. We pray, Lord, that they will open their hearts to a new season in their lives, that you will take them, Lord, to the right place where they can worship you, Lord. But we pray for those who are still part of our family, Lord, that they will come back to church, Lord. We pray, Lord, that they will come back and rejoin the church. And we pray, Lord, for those who today are sick, those church members, Lord, that are traveling for work or stuff, we pray, Lord, that you will help each and every one. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. And we pray especially for our children today, Lord. The promise, Lord, for salvation for everyone in our households. Father, we believe that you will do that miracle in the life of our children and grandchildren. And we thank you, Lord, that for that. Hallelujah. Let's sing together. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. We surrender to your power and authority in the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. We worship the Lord through our contributions, and that is the moment that we are going to experience now. So if you are watching and you want to make a contribution to our church, go to our website, vchurch.us, and look for the tab, Give Online. Or you can send a text message, 432-268-0007. And that way you can also help the kingdom of God to grow in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the time that you are investing watching this video from Victory Church. We hope that you will enjoy it. A dream come true. Who doesn't have dreams? We all have dreams, correct? And in some point, we had those dreams when we were little. But uh, maybe if you think about it, it's possible that your ancestors also had those dreams. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, today I wanna spend a couple of minutes sharing with you some pictures. But before I go there, I want to invite our viewers to go to our website and download the bulletin of today. I hope that you have your bulletins right hand and uh, let's start this message of today, October 13, 2019. A dream come true, worship service 159. So these four individuals on the screen are my mom, my dad, and their moms. From left to side, Olympia, my dad's mom, then my dad, Eduardo, and my mother, Magnolia, and her mother, Lydia. My grandma, Olympia, was a school teacher in a village, in a coffee farm. And uh, my grandma, Lydia, was a seamstress. Both lived the sim similar experiences that they met the perfect guy. You know how, how that happens. Very charming, very nice. And then, bye-bye, baby. Simply disappeared. Both of my parents lived the same experience. They didn't have a dad figure and they, they, the mamas were the ones who raised them. In this other picture, you see me later, my dad and, and his dad reconciled. So in this picture taken in Guatemala in 1992, you see my dad Eduardo, my grandpa Albino, my son Sebastian, 
and myself. <laughs> These pictures here are the wedding of my parents. As I was telling you earlier, they were very poor, so they couldn't afford to have their own wedding. So my dad's cousin, Fito, also was about to get married. So you see in the picture there, my, my uncle Fito and his wife, Julia, getting married the same day in the same place with my, uh, when my dad and my mom got married in El Carmen, Frontera, in 1963. Years later, in 1982, you see here how they were renewing their vows. Now there is a pastor there praying for, for, for them. And if you notice on the right side, there is a guy with a blue suit. That's me. <laughs> in this other picture, you see my dad's first vehicle in 1964. It's a motorbike. And also you see my first vehicle in 1969. <laughs> my, my dad and I, we had a great time always. And, uh, he loved soccer and that, that's why I was interested in that sport as well. In this other picture, you see my dad's first vehicle. That is in 1970. And they, they, they were uh, my aunts, Julia, Marilou, my mother, my dad. Here you see me with my sister as well and my uncle Elfego. That vehicle is an Opel. If you, I don't know if you remember those cars. And uh, in the other picture, you see me and my sister Marita for Christmas 1969. That day, my dad drove for the first time in his life. When we arrived to Malacatan, my mom said, Eduardo, I didn't know that you, you could drive a car. When did you learn? And he said, today. <laughs> my dad was a, a poor boy, you know, in, in the country, a school teacher first, but he wanted to become a journalist, and he did. He worked for several newspapers, and eventually he worked for the government. And these pictures are with my dad and two former presidents, in 1976 and in 1980. Later, he continued working for different uh, politicians and he wrote speeches for the politicians. And in our home, always we had congressmen coming, you know, and saying, Eduardo, can you write me a speech for this and that? You know, and it, it was fun. It was a great time. My mom, on the other hand, also a poor girl, she never finished uh, uh, even elementary school when she was little. She was so poor, she was sent to a convent. Uh, actually, you know, uh, it was my dad who saw her in one vacation uh, when she went from the convent to the city of San Marcos, and then he stole her pretty much. <laughs> so she never came back to the convent, and uh, they married. And uh, well, but my dad, my mom didn't have any education. So later, you know, with the kids and all that, she wanted to be somebody. And uh, in those pictures you see on the left side, she went to this uh, cosmetology school. And she became a cosmetologist. You see in the second picture, she's holding the diploma, you know, so proud of herself, like, oh, I got it, you know. She had good relationships eventually with her family, also reconciled with her dad. And, uh, but later she became a physical therapist. In, 90, in 1990, she graduated as a psychologist. The picture above that is me and my mom dancing that day when my dad made a huge party to celebrate her triumph. The picture on the right, you can see her in her 30s. You know, she was a beautiful Greek woman. Beautiful. In 1972, they bought their home. In the picture on the left, you see only five kids. On the picture on the right, you see the six kids. Because in 72, we were only five. Uh, you see how slim my mom was after five kids? I admire that. I thought, man, you see me with a big smile there and uh, with my, my siblings. And then... Uh, in the middle, you see this picture of the piñata time because my dad was involved in the family and, you know, even though my mom was taking care of everything, but he did that. You know, you go to the, to the roof of your house, you have a rope and you are pulling the piñata. It was a great time. In 1980, my sister is celebrating 15 years of life and then we are all there in that picture. My mom, myself, and my brother Vinny, my sister Marita, my brother Peque, my, bro my dad Eduardo, and my, bro my brother's Pavel and Paul, and that was in 1980. Uh, if you want to see a little bit of my own story too, in 1975, I graduated uh -huh, from elementary school. 
And all these girls that you see in the back, they were crazy about me. They were just, they just went all the way, just trying to convince me, come on, come on. And I was, no, I am special. I am not for you girls, I said that. <laughs> no, it's not that the case. I was so shy. I wanted to be friends with these girls that I couldn't say even one word. I was in front of them and like, stuck, you know. <laughs> in 76, you see this other picture of me and my brother, Pavel. I am holding him, and my brother Paul is on the left side. Yes. Later, of course, I became a teenager, as you see in the picture on the right side, in 1977. I think I am 14 years old or something like that. And, uh, and then on the left side, you see the picture in 1979 with my siblings. There's another lady who also was uh, considered for us as a grandma. And then is when I was starting my life as a teenager. In 1990, you see me in this picture uh, where Natalie, my daughter, was two years old. She was born in 1980. And then in 1995, you see the other picture with my dad there. 1990 is the picture. My daughter was born in 1989, I'm sorry. And uh, Sebastian was born in 1990. And those are the pictures of the family. You see, my, my dad was there all the time. All the time, it was a big influence in my life. And actually, if you notice, I always wear my watch on the right hand. And it's because of my dad. He told me, I need you to, 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 to wear your watch on the right hand. So, and I asked him, and Javi, you probably will understand this better. Because I asked dad, why do I have to wear my watch on the right hand? He said, well, you know, here in Guatemala with the violence, these guys are coming and steal your watch. When you are in the car, right? If you have it in the right hand, at least you can hide it. <laughs> you know, you were, that, that was the reason he gave me. Anyway, you know, a guy with no father, someone without money, with no hope, other than a mother that received the preaching of the gospel in San Marcos, eventually she became a believer. And then it started to lead my dad in that direction until he became a believer. A guy with dreams, but not, nothing else, just a dream. But their dreams came true. He was a wonderful father. And today, October 13, until heaven, wherever he is, happy birthday, dad. I love you. Now let's go to the scripture. Today we are going to reflect about how a dream can come true and how we are part of these dreams, not just for our dreams, but other people's dreams. So if you want to come with me in this, this, this magnificent set of scriptures, let's read in Luke 4, 22. Everyone there said good things about Jesus. They were amazed to hear him speak such wonderful words. They said, how, how is this possible? Isn't it he Joseph's son's son? 24, the Lord Jesus said, the truth is a prophet is not accepted in his own hometown. 27, there were many people with leprosy living in Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, but none of them were healed. The only one was Naaman, and he was from the country of Syria, not Israel. What is the deal here? The deal here is that the Lord Jesus, in Luke 4, verse 18, he was fully anointed by the Holy Spirit, he was saying, I am here to preach the gospel and I am, I am going to do something amazing for the poor. I'm going to set you guys free. This is what the Lord Jesus is saying, right? And they were amazed. But some of them started to question him and saying, but isn't this the guy, this guy, the son of the carpenter? That's why he said, no one is going to really accept a prophet in his own town. Because there is an issue with people always questioning the individual when they know this person. There is an issue with people acknowledging greatness. There is an issue, if you notice. It's a big problem. You do something amazing, you bake a nice cake, or you create something with your hands, or you do something and you will notice that just a little, just a few people will acknowledge the greatness of what you do. The rest of them? They just seem to not care. And actually, there is more criticism than anything. The Lord Jesus was going through that. Maybe like you are going through that. 
you are great. You have done wonderful things in your life. You are smart. You have so much to offer. And you can do many wonderful things in the world. But for some reason, people around you are questioning about you, your intentions, who you are, your age, your strength, your intelligence, etc. Well, the Lord Jesus went through the same things too. And then he says, you know what? That reminds me of the story of the, this guy with leprosy and the prophet Elijah. So what is leprosy? Well, it's a horrible disease. It's a contagious disease that affects the skin, the membranes and the mucus and nervous, causing discoloration and lumps in the skin and several, in several cases, oh gosh, deformities. I hate that idea. It's terrible. But uh, because we are here to hear God's word, I want you to get ready for this wonderful description narration of 2 Kings chapter 5. commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So... Please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on naming this Aramean by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, 
Two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please, give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them, and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing. He gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in the house. He sent them in away, and they left. When he went in and stood before his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female slaves? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. As white as snow. That's sad. Out of this reading, I'm going to share with you seven treasures, guys, that I hope that some of you will be really, really amazed with what the Lord can show you by studying the scripture like we do today. So let me go with the first one. The first one is based on 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. Anyone can be in trouble. Who, who is this one in trouble right now? Is Naaman. Uh, this guy is a commander, is someone in authority, is someone in charge of others, has power, has fame, more likely he has money, has a wife, has servants, so a position and possessions. And guess what? He is in trouble. Anyone can be in trouble. Sometimes we think, well, the problems that, that I see in, in some people are nothing compared to my problems. We, we feel that way sometimes. And you know what? That's not true. That's not true. Because anyone can be in trouble. And some people go through some troubles that are unbelievable, difficult, like this kind of problem. Anyone can be in trouble. But what was the, the solution to this issue? A little girl who was a Jewish girl who knew about Elisha, who had the faith, shared this with the wife of this guy. And this little girl comes and says to the, to the wife, if my master will come to see the prophet, he might be healed. Anyone can share his faith to help others. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Anyone can share his faith to help others. Why are we here today? Why are we involved in church? Why do we believe? Why? Well, because somebody shared that faith with us. Somebody one day said, I want you to read this passage in the Bible. I want you to know that God is God and loves you. Somebody shared that faith with us. The question is, are you willing to share that faith with others? Are you? What are you doing today to share that faith with others? Honestly. Are we doing something about it? Or we are just people not being aware of the need of others and we just think of ourselves and we just think of our own problems and we just do nothing. When we see people in trouble, when we see people that need a miracle, are we the kind of people that we will do something about it? You know, a, a simple message that this girl said to the woman, the wife, changed the entire future of this commander. A simple statement that you share with somebody can bring great things to other people. That is treasure number two that I want to share with you. Treasure number three. Once 
This guy came to see Elisha. And Elisha told him, all that I need you to do is to submerge into the Jordan River seven times. And he got so angry about it. Do you remember what happened in 2 Kings 5, 13 to 14? The servants came to talk to him and said, Sir, if this guy will ask you to do something really difficult, would you do it? He says, yeah. But you know what? He even didn't come to say hello to me. He just sent somebody to tell me, get in the Jordan. I don't like that. You know, I have traveled a lot. I have done a lot of things. I want you to see this. This is what we, what we do and what we say. I have done a lot of things there, here. I have done this. I have done that. Why they didn't do this for me? What is that? It's just pride. It's just pride. These guys, the servant said, but sir, if he will ask you something more difficult than this, would you do it in order to get healed? Yeah. Well, what he's asking you is something so simple. And I want to talk to you, my friend, watching today. Maybe you are going through big difficulties in your life. You need a miracle or you have a dream and you want this dream to come true. But you are thinking that what you need to do is something really complex and something drastic in your life in order to see that happening. But somebody is telling you all that you need to do is to believe. But you are expecting that people will tell you something to do something really hard when it is really simple is to believe and you get mad. And perhaps the solution is as simple as coming to church to worship God with others. But you think, no, that can't be the solution. It's too easy. And you are wanting deeply to do something really hard to do in order to get your miracle. And all that is required is faith. Don't let pride stop you from receiving your miracle. Friends, if we need a miracle, all that we need is to believe in God. We don't need to do anything spectacular just to believe in Him and trust in Him. That's all that we need to do. Are you really believing in God and trusting in God that He will do that for you, for that miracle? But pride can be an issue. And it is. How many relationships, husband, wife, Father, daughter, brother, sister, how many of those relationships, employee and boss, you and a customer, how many relationships get so messed up because of pride? Because of pride. Because we have high expectations from others. You know, the Lord is not going to move when there is pride in our hearts. He is not going to move in a heart with pride. He is not going to move there. The Lord God is so humble. He is humble. Do you realize how humble is God? He sent His Son and He lived a very humble way. And still today here on earth, His Holy Spirit is, is so humble, so meek, so patient with us. That knowing what we are thinking and wanting and saying and doing sometimes, you know, he keeps on coming to touch our hearts and talk to us and in a very gentle way is inviting us to change. Do, do you realize how humble the Holy Spirit is in your heart? Now the question is, are you being really humble in the presence of God? Don't let pride stop you from receiving your miracle. Pride is a huge issue between you and God. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Husband and wife, pride is going to destroy the marriage. Brother and sister, pride is going to destroy the relationship. You and your employer, you and your customer, you and your co-workers, pride is going to mess up. The whole relationship. 
pride is awful. We'll destroy everything. And pride will not let the miracle of God coming into your life. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Let it go. Forgive. Let it go. And you have to be humble and say, well, if I have to change, I'm going to change. You know, what a wonderful thing is to come to somebody and say, you know what? I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. You know, I was aggravated. I'm sorry. I really don't want to do that again. I apologize. This is wonderful, friends. Reconcile with somebody else. And especially when you are wanting a miracle from God. Do you want a miracle from God? We are talking today how a dream can come true. And we know there is a lot of work involved. But nothing is going to happen if God is not behind it. You realize that. You can be smart, strong. You can have all the, the tools, the skills, everything you want. But if God is not with you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We need God. And God moves in humble hearts. That's why we have to be fully aware of that. So this guy said to the servants, well, now that you are telling me that and I'm thinking about it, maybe I will go to the, to the Jordan River and, and do what he says. We need people sometimes in our lives that will tell us, you know what, man, maybe what you are doing is not right. Maybe you should do this. <laughs> you, you see that? We need that. You need that. You need somebody that will tell you, listen, what you are doing is not right. You better change. You need that. Amen. Now, if this commander will be full of pride, he was prideful to some to a certain degree, but he was not that prideful, that he was not a stupid. He realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What he's saying makes sense. That is the key. Somebody that will tell you some things to you that will make you think about the situation and then you will change. Maybe the Lord will use you to show somebody that needs to change in some area. So you better choose the way to say it. That was awesome what these guys told him. Well, sir, if he will ask you to do something very difficult, will you do it? That, that was very, very smart. The guy processed and said, well, now, now that you are telling me that, now that I'm thinking about it, you know what? You are right. You are right. I can do that. It's beautiful. That is the whole thing between us and God. We hear his word. The Holy Spirit talks to us. And then we reflect about it. And then we say, well, yeah, I can do that. I can go to church. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can talk to my wife again. I can, I can tell her that we can make things work here. I can talk to my sister. I can talk to my brother. I can talk to my father-in-law. I can talk to my, my co-worker. I can talk to my supervisor. I can talk to my friend and maybe... Maybe by talking it out, we can get a better relationship, and fix problems. Friends, that's the whole thing. You know, it's, it's a matter of our hearts. Doing the right thing in the eyes of God. That's treasure number three. Treasure number four. A genuine servant of God is not for sale. 2 Kings 5.16 Here's this guy, so grateful because he got healed. And now he says, okay, here's all this gold and silver and clothes and whatever. To the prophet, to the servant of God. And the servant of God said, thank you, but no thank you. There, there is no need for that. You don't have to come and try to give me anything. Because a genuine servant of God is not for sale. And that goes to my friends, preachers, and pastors. 
partners in ministry, brothers, we are not for sale. And for whoever is trying to get money out of people, I encourage you to stop doing that. We are not here as servants of God to make money out of faith. That's wrong. My friend, pastor, preacher, don't do that. Do your ministry from your heart. The Lord will take care of you. Don't try to manipulate people to get money. That is wrong. God is not going to bless those efforts. It's the opposite. You will be in a huge trouble. Don't do that. A genuine servant of God is not for sale. And that applies too to other people that want to tell pastors what to do because they are giving them money. You know, I want to tell you guys one experience that I lived in one of my churches years ago. There was a guy who came to my church and he was a good member of my church. And one day he said to me, I want to take you out for lunch. So we went to eat. And you know, I go to eat with everyone. And this guy was a very nice guy. And, and he said to me, I want to tell you that uh, I want to give you this uh, gift. And I said, oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And then he gave me the check. It was substantial. And I was, wow, and why are you giving me this check? Well, you know, I just want to thank you for what you do. And, and I know you need to take care of certain things with your family. You are raising two kids, so you have needs. And so I wanted you to have this money. And I said, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So I folded the check and I put it in my pocket. And then he says, by the way, here we go. I thought, <laughs> by the way, and I said, yeah. I want to suggest you something uh, in regards of your sermons. Uh. And I said, what, what is that? Well, I was thinking that maybe you could start talking about this and talking about that and not talking about this and not talking about that. <laughs> oh, gosh, it was the most horrible moment that I had with him. So you can imagine that didn't work well. It was bad. No, a genuine servant of God is not for sale. If I'm going to preach here to you and teach whatever the Lord wants me to do, I will do it because the Holy Spirit is telling me to do it. Some people might be offended, but that's God's word. But money can, cannot buy a servant of God. Treasure number four. Treasure number five. Here's the reality. Anyone else? Anybody can be tempted by money. This is the case of the servant, right? The guy, Yehensai, who was an employee of Elisha. He saw the potential money coming to Elisha and he thought, well, that is dumb. <laughs> I'm going to get that money. If Elisha doesn't want to get the money, I'm going to get that money, which happens everywhere because anyone can be tempted by money. And you have to be careful about it. With your work, with your family, with your friends. Watch out. Don't let money control you. Don't, don't do that. Much less going into manipulation and lies. Hey, by the way, my servant says that there are people coming to his house and we will need this and that. That was, was not true. That was a pure lie. A direct lie. Pure manipulation. No, 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 no. And you know what happened to this guy. That is why you have to be careful, my friend, with trying to manipulate people and to get money because you won't like the outcome of that. Sixth treasure. It has to do with Naaman's final statement. What is what he said? He says, now I acknowledge that there is one God and that God is the God of Israel. So here is my question to you. What is going to be your final statement in life? And I would like you to take your time this week. Please do it. To think about this idea. What would you like to put on a post or maybe in your grave or in a page 
included in the bulletin the day of your funeral about your final statement. What, what would you like to say? What, what do you think will be, what would you like will be your, your final words before you go to heaven? This is, this is very important because that defines you and your life and what you are doing in your life. What is going to be your final statement? This guy said, listen, I know there is one God in heaven. It's the only true God. That was powerful. Remember, he was a pagan. And if we go back to Luke 4, 28 to 30. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were very angry. Remember, the Lord Jesus told them this. So they were very angry. And they got up and forced Jesus to get out, go out of town. Their town was built on a hill. They took Jesus to the edge of the hill to throw him off. <laughs> but he walked through the middle of the crowd and went away. People were highly disappointed at that point with the Lord Jesus. They were. They were. But what is the treasure number seven? When you know who you are in God, you walk through all kinds of problems and people. The Lord Jesus knew who he was. Elijah knew who he was. Do you know who you are in God? Because when you know who you are in God, and what is what you have to do with your life and say, you will walk through all kinds of problems and people. Regardless of what they think about you, if they like you or not, if they approve your life or not, many of your relatives might mock you because of your faith. Many of your friends tell jokes about you because they know that you sing to God. Many people probably are laughing at you because of your beliefs. But when you know who you are in God, you walk through all kinds of problems and people like the Lord Jesus did. And people can try to even kill you and consider you an outcast and somebody that is unwanted. People might try to reject you, close the door in front of you. They don't want you to be part of their new groups or whatever. But when you know who you are in God, you walk through all kinds of problems and difficulties. And families, get-togethers, it's so obvious when people don't like believers. They always turn their backs to the group of believers. Oh, yeah, these this, this people, they are, you know, those whatever. And why is that? Because they are believers. In the workplace, it's the same thing. Here are all this bunch of people doing all kind of bad things, and the believers, and, and they just turn their back to the believers. Business, in the neighborhood, everywhere. People might try to reject you, but when you know who you are in God, you just trust in Him. You trust in Him and you say, Lord, I know who am I. I know who I am in you. I know what you want me to do. You want me to be like, like this little girl sharing faith with somebody. I know who I am in you. And I will walk through all this. The miracles will happen to you when you, when you walk in faith, my friend. You just don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at those things. You just walk one step at a time. One step at a time. One day at a time. What the Lord Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. But trust in me, I have overcome the world. He said, take your cross every day. How often he said? Every day. Take that cross every day. Deny yourself. Look up, look up to me. 
you are listening today here this message because the Lord wants you to have your dreams come true. He wants to bless you. A miracle of healing things in your family, with your business, with your health, relationships. The Lord wants to help you, to guide you through the process. But you know what? You have to be certain of your calling in God, who you are in God, and walk by faith. Don't look at the circumstances. Forget about it. Forget about it. Trust in God and say, Lord, you have something for me? I'm going to get it. Because he is the one who can do that for you. The Lord and the Lord alone. And there are ones that never, never had given their hearts to God. Maybe it's, it's you, my friend. And it's very simple. You just open your mouth, open your heart, say a simple prayer. I'm going to show you this prayer in the screen. Say it with me, and that will connect you with God. It's easy. Say it with me. Dear God, I need to be right with you. Please, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. I know that Jesus paid the price for my salvation. I open my heart to you, Lord. Please help me, Lord, to become the person you want me to be. In the name of Jesus. Just get into the waters of the Jordan River. Seven times, he said. Ah, that, that, I don't think so. It's too simple. Just open your heart to God, say a prayer, and that's it? Is it? No. That must be, there has to be something more than that. It's too simple. No. It's just as simple as that. You give your heart to God and just let Him work through your life. Declaring with us, I am forgiven and saved by faith in Jesus. My life is going to be great and blessed this year, 2019. My friends, thank you so much for coming to church today. Receive the blessing of God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have a wonderful week. Enjoy your family and friends. See you next time. Anytime a heart turns from darkness to light. Anytime temptation comes and someone stands to fight. Anytime somebody lives to serve and not be served. I know, I know, I know, I know. We appreciate so much your time invested with Victory Church in Odessa, Texas.